Hello, welcome to episode number 327 of the Apple Off Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. No spots today, no advertisements, uh, just getting right to the podcast because I have a very special guest, Mr. Spike Slauson of Me First and the Gimme Gimme's as well as he's a principal member of the band You Cunt. Uh, it's a ukulele band. Get your mind out of the gutters. Uh, me First and the Gimme Gimme's are on a tour. It's their West Coast and then they're coming over to the east side of Ontario's tour. All those all those dates will be listed in the, the description of the podcast. So anyways, I, I just like to, to acknowledge the fact that this podcast has been out for almost seven years, six or seven years. I don't know, someone do the math. It's been a, a long time to, to do something, longer than most bands that I've interviewed. We've had people, you know, pass away uh, who've been guests. We've had people who have gone on to do greater and better things. We've had people who've quit the industry. We have people who aren't really in the industry, but like to talk about stuff. This podcast has never been sort of relegated to just being a, a music-only podcast. It's for everybody, and um, music just happens to be part of it. it. Just happens to be the the you know the catalyst of why the podcast was started in the first place. If you're popping, it's because I can't find my pop filter, and I apologize. This podcast has never claimed to be uh, a money-making or a popular thing. I'm going to say lots of peas now because I can hear it. It's never claimed to, um, you know, be successful. Uh, I do it because it's the closest thing to being in a band. And that's why I do it. I do it because it's why I do everything else. It's like indie based. I do it myself. I find the cheapest possible way to do it. I don't expect anybody to help me, nor do I, you know, really, you know, I don't expect anybody to do anything, but I have to acknowledge the fact there's some, some people, a guy named Chad out in Vancouver that sends me interviews. Also, Melanie Kay has been a very, very strong advocate and helper to getting guests on the show. And I'm sure it's a, I would hope to think it's a symbiotic relationship between Melanie and myself as well as Chad. But, you know, I do this and I really love doing it. Now, I've really taken a bit of a backseat in it because I've kind of been busy with this um, uh, documentary I'm working on. But I, I hope to get back at it on a weekly basis, but I don't think it really matters. I mean, if you if you think like get 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 in touch with Facebook, get in touch with Apple, like send comments. Let me know what you think. Do you need more of this? Do you need less of it? Let me know. Do you need it at all? But anyways, I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, um, third time on the show, Mr. Spike's lost, and Spike's been on the show three times. Once was in my car, the other time was online, and this is the third and third and awesomest time. Uh, great conversation and a great person, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Spikes Lawson of Me First and the Gimme Gimmies on the Apple Eye Podcast. That part's not supposed to move. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's some of that, too. There's definitely, you know, people are getting older. Yeah. Clumsier. Um, <laughs> Hips you know? are getting more precarious in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly that, too, I guess. Um, although... Up there north of the border, 
we don't think so much about that, we can start thinking about that again tomorrow. <laughs> Just it's an you... enviable thing. I'm not. It's not a put down. It's okay. It, it's it's a we appreciate it. Oh, I get it, man. Things Coming trying to cross the border and saying things you're saying, and you feel like maybe I'm. Am I telling the truth? And then they're looking at you like maybe you're not, and you know you are. So you always feel a little judged with the border police, no matter what side you go across. Yes, yes, there is that. But that, that otherwise, coming to Canada and uh, being around polite, respectful people for the most part. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's, there's good and bad all over, certainly. But like, is is a is a refreshing change for. Americans or it can be. Yeah, I was just I went I drove down to Florida with my parents. I helped them get their RV down from Canada down to North Florida. I call it fake Florida because it's sort of on the Gulf Coastline and it's in a town called Port St. Joe. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of very nice people from Alabama saying, We're sorry about your queen. It's like, well, she wasn't our queen, so but thanks for your sentiment. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a common mistake to make. I've actually had border agents um, say, "Let's make some money for the queen," you know, when they when they saw that we had T-shirts. Oh my god! And I thought, like that, what a weird thing to say. What a weird thing to admit. But I mean, I guess like, whom are they accountable to? You know, in that rate, certainly not me. You know, mm -mm. Um, but how that money went to the queen, I guess I. I couldn't understand. I still don't, but, <laughs> but that's what they said. I think they were just trying to provoke us and, you know, yeah. maybe try to get a negative reaction. Like there, there's a real, it seems like a directive, like, you know, there, there's some sort of unofficial or unspoken or maybe even spoken edict that says that they don't want American bands up here because of some sort of protectionist, uh, attitude yeah yeah i think it goes like, both ways i'd think... rather have canadian bands it, it, it may go both ways yeah. i mean it's it's bad getting back into the states for us too you yeah. know like that yeah. those people are are i say it all the time but they're born not made you know what i mean it's yeah. that is that is nature not nurture yeah like meter maids and border agents like they they were they were made for that job yeah. Even before they knew that such a job existed, you know. To quote Bill Stevenson, it's only Canada. <laughs> it's only Canada. You know, well, I don't know. Montreal is up here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that that for me is uh that's one of the best parts of our continent that I have seen. I know? agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. So you're uh so how many shows are you doing on this trip? Just West Coast, right? Uh, no, we're, we're doing, uh, well, as far as Canada, we are doing Vancouver and then we're dipping that back down into the States and coming back up, I think, um, somewhere around the Great Lakes, probably, uh, you know, maybe the Windsor crossing over by Detroit. I forget which one it is, but I think we're doing a little bit more of our rust belt before we come back up. Okay. Including my hometown of Pittsburgh, which I'm looking forward to uh, quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, and then we come back up and we do uh, 
Toronto, Ottawa, London, and uh, and Montreal. Yeah, yeah. And then we go back down. All told, it's going to be about six weeks. That seems long. It seems like a long time to be away from home. Yeah, um, you know, far be it for me to complain about um, uh, things as they are or as they should be. But um, at this end of the music business or the business of playing and performing music, there are a lot of people that are talking for your money. Like at the end, say, of a tour, you're, like most jobs you don't negotiate to get paid for work. You know what I'm saying? Or, or maybe I'm being naive. But uh, so going out for six weeks is sort of a way to consolidate your resources, your startup costs are the same, whether you stay out for two weeks or, or, or much the same, like they, they sort of, they increase at a different scale, if that makes any sense. So if you go out for six weeks, you, you stand a better chance of earning a little bit of scratch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's an interesting concept because in the days, like you go to Europe, it's sort of the European bands just sort of go away for the weekend and then come back. I mean, I'm sure from California, that's a standpoint, that's a thing too, right? Just go over there for a couple of days and then come back and then go over there for a couple of days. And it sort of, it looks like you're in a tour bus, which I know is a big dollar bill sign driving down the road. I know what those cost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also, you know, you also don't have to spend money at hotels, yeah. which is a huge variable. Once you get the bus, ideally um there aren't so many variables whereas like each hotel is you know yeah and you will move quite a few is its own wild card um yeah no and europeans i think they're gonna get a taste because i think we're sort of like uh you know the world is racing to the bottom and we're sort of the leaders at least the west you know um and I think with this winter, when they have to heat their houses um, and there's no better opportunity than a crisis. And so I think a lot of speculators are going to make it look kind of ugly out there. So maybe they won't have so much dispensable, disposable income, you know, mm. I mean, they've been complaining about it for a long time. And, you know, as an American, when you go out to a place like Germany, that seems pretty together as far as like not necessarily politics but some of the things that i would say that left-wing or labor uh politics has achieved for a certain segment of the population i think they out there have tended to take those things for granted and i think they're not going to be able to uh very soon so like those weekend jaunts that you're talking about you know like they complain about the crisis i had a dude um an Italian guy uh, complained to me about the financial, you know, the 2008 financial uh, meltdown. And he was complaining to me about like how it affected his business and how he couldn't do business in the same way. And he didn't, you know, you know, he was just uh, didn't know what he was going to do. And so I asked him, so, Hey, what do you do for a living? He said, I sell yachts. And I said, <laughs> like you, you do what, man? Uh, could you repeat that? Because maybe my Italian is not as good as I thought it was. And he said, no, I sell yachts, man. And I thought, okay, 
now I'm listening, man. Go ahead and complain yeah. about, you know, how you can't sell yachts yeah. during this crisis. And I thought, like, man, what a great kind of tone deaf. What a great example of, like, tone deaf Europeans. You know what I mean? Like, you guys really don't understand how far, how low the bottom can really be. You know? Yeah. Well, I would, if it but, was me, I'd just say I sell boats. Boats sounds more humble, more Canadian. <laughs> yeah. But this dude had a sweater tied around his neck. You know what I mean? Like he had the whole like it was perfect. I wish I had a camera, you know, to to like surreptitiously film that whole exchange because I've never forgotten it. And I like it, it was so indicative of a certain kind of like complaining nanny state European. And then they all have this kind of naive, deluded uh like image of what life in the states is supposed to be like like something out of the wild west you write your own ticket you know with some grit and luck and your wits you know anybody can and will make it you know yeah Uh, i've had conversations especially with an italian guy i met who owned his own coffee shop and he's like i'm gonna come to canada i'm gonna immigrate there and open a coffee shop in canada i said dude you are in this little tiny town torbigo and you're, you're selling coffee to people and you can walk to your house, stay here. You're going to love it. You know what yeah. I mean? You're going to have way more. You've already opened a business. You're already doing well. But there's sort of like that that big hope, the big dream. And it's like, you don't realize, you know, people do that. I, I You know, my parents immigrated from England and, you know, there's, I mean, it's just success stories. But at the same time, if you already got something going and, you know, stay there, stay there. And if you don't quite understand what you got going and how much better it can be than other places. Like I think Italians are really like kind of dispirited and understandably like their leadership is, is a joke. Like no matter, I mean like whether it's like the totally ineffectual center left or like straight up ethno nationalists, man, with like hands on the levers, you know what I'm saying? Like that's pretty scary, but like, it's a joke. But there's a social compact there, and then there's this sort of like style of life that that both of those elements seem sort of like independent of the politics. Yeah. Um, and I think they tend to take that, the history, the style and flavor. Like I think they they take a lot of that stuff for granted. Italians, I tell you what, man, they love westerns, which to me says a lot about that national character. Is that like that they really love the idea of sink or swim here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get it. I guess, you know, like living in a nanny state where so, like the contours of your life are already kind of like uh, pre-manufactured. I guess I, I could see how that would seem appealing, but you're really not, you're really taking for granted what you got going there, man. Totally, totally. I, I would tell the, the guy the same thing. Yeah. Stay like you got a good, you got a good, you got a good thing going. But I don't know. I hope they still have disposable income. Like, like they, well, until very recently and for all the wrong reasons, but I would say that Europeans traditionally, at least in my lifetime, have been the ones that are more likely to like get out into the street when things get too expensive or when, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those yellow jackets. You remember the the yellow jacket protests in France? Yeah. And they tried to kind of smear them. They tried to smear them with that that ethno nationalist uh, brush. 
Um, and uh, I think it was important that they do that because movements like that or the one in Chile where, where like public transportation, like they raised the price. And, you know, like, like I read the BBC, for example, for news sometimes, because it like, they're not neutral, but like, if it's certain topics, I can like with yeah. world events, I can kind of get an idea of what's going on. But like, I forget the adjective they used for the fare increase. You know what I mean? Mm. And they really had to like, make it seem ridiculously like, oh God, like, what was it? Like a quarter to me and you or something like that. Yeah. But it was the drop that spilled the glass for them. And a lot of people all around the world feel that and understand it and it makes them mad too yeah you know like like no it's too fucking much like we can't fucking afford it yeah you know and yeah. and uh those yeah i think it what was it the yellow what was their their big thing was the gas tax that they were expected to pay i think because they were truck drivers right yeah yeah, yeah. It's vague to me. I, I, I do know there's something similar going on in Panama to the similar type of protest. Yes. They're stopping and they, they stopped the transportation of fuel and truck drivers stopped doing things. And I mean, I have um, friends down there. They, they, they were in a traffic jam. It took them now is an isthmus, mind you. So it took them 48 hours <laughs> to get from the, you know, it doesn't take 48 hours to go anywhere down there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, um, and it took them 48 hours to get back to Panama City. And uh, uh, it was, yeah, the, I, I think it started as an indigenous protest, but like, it was just one of those things. It was a spark that just kind of caught fire among different demographics and for, you know, yeah. different but similar reasons. Yeah. And, uh, and they just shut, yeah, they shut shipping, trucking lines, highways down. Yeah. And, uh, I know because I talked to some dudes down there because I got a band with a bunch of Pan uh, Panama City guys. We play boleros, um, which is one of my favorite music forms. They're like beautiful Spanish love songs. But we do them with like kind of a rock and roll uh, edge, I guess you could say, but with like players. Mm -hmm. Like the percussion players down there are like they're not fucking around. But um, yeah. it's called Los Nuevos Bajos. In case you're interested, yeah, yeah. The, uh, um, and we have a seven inch on Del Corazon Records based out of San Francisco, and um, they are also going to release our full length record sometime next year. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you haven't heard Boleros, if you like Boleros, if you've never heard of the classic trios from the 50s and 60s, like Los Panchos and Los Diamantes, definitely stuff that's worth listening to and that's kind of what we're i guess trying to honor you know it's not mm -hmm. so much of a project like the gimme gimmies where like like i've always hated am rock you know what i mean <laughs> and i think that's part of the chemistry that made the band work is that like that that i strongly disliked the the, the subject material you know so yeah. it you know yeah well you've always so had like <laughs> You've always had this wide expanse knowledge of music and also your delivery to it is always sort of in that vein of just you own it. Like you just go in and like, I mean, you cunt and all that stuff. It's like, it's like a, you own it. And I, I, I am, I, you know, I'm always amazed about that type of delivery because 
that's um you know i don't you know if you remember we, we drove around toronto and you're playing ukulele in my car absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and that would that actually was super fun i want to do it again i'm not going to be in toronto when you come to toronto unfortunately i'm out of town it was yeah. it was the most unique interview <laughs> i had ever done oh, it kind of high pressure too like i i felt like it was it was very uh <laughs> i felt very self-conscious but but like like something that i worked through and i was a different person on the other side <laughs> just say you know no it was fun because it was we almost hit a jogger and that made it on video and i remember that too my god it was so close and um there's so many yeah i I assume that's one of my favorite moments too with the podcast i was trying to do more of that but that was like the one that kicked it off and i tried to do more and and that one just seemed so special it's like none of them really sort of added up you know i talked to darren pfeiffer in my car he obviously didn't play anything but uh, i spoke to a few toronto bands too in their car in my car um, that car has un- met a demise. I hit a deer with it, so it's totally Oh no! Yeah, I hit a deer last no a year ago, a year and a bit ago. You should see the deer. I hit the poor, poor deer. Yeah, the deer did not. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the other guy. You should see the deer. Um, yeah, I hit the deer, and the deer looked at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" That's what the, my my voice was telling me from the deer. It may might have actually said that because I actually hit my face off of the airbag so hard I got concussion. So um, yeah, it was pretty brutal. But I bought a new car, so I'm all happy. But um, yeah, I, yeah. So so talk, you know, doing the interview in the car was something that was it was made actually it was mostly like out of necessity because it was quiet enough and you know and and I think we upped the up the game a little bit by doing the ukulele thing. But it, because it's so small too, right? You can fit in yep. there and still have your seat in the car. Yeah, yeah, it's too, yeah, for sure. And yeah, so I mean, like I said about like your style of music and where you sort of follow it and things like that. Have you have you like were you always a punk rock kid or did you sort of come into punk rock? And we might have asked this question already, but did you fall into punk rock or did punk rock always sort of be in you? Did you find it? Is the question? Uh, it was shown and brought to me. I would have been about thirteen when my friend Matt Weiner, who was also into things like King Crimson, yeah. you know, but like he played Dead Kennedys records for me. And that was really eye-opening. It was, it was, what well, was one record? It was Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. And I eventually, it was one of the few records that at that time I bothered to go out and buy. The rest of my borrowed and taped um, from another friend of mine. But that record I bought back when it still had the original heads mm-hmm. on the band on the back. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and uh, I still have that, the cherry red version and i remember yeah it's hard to describe how that made me feel and then um another friend of mine brought me to this weird little like rust belt honky tonk called the electric banana in pittsburgh where i we, we saw i would see a bunch of shows it was a weird place like the owner had a gun that he would sometimes pull out on bands that demanded uh, their, maybe their fair pay. I don't know. Like I wasn't there, but like, I think Keith Morris was one of those guys and he tried to bust out a crowbar, but, but he wasn't in Southern California. You know what I mean? Like, it's sorry, dude, like this is Pittsburgh. And it was still pretty rough back then. Yeah. And, but what a cool, like it had a neon banana. You know, and this yeah. kind of cursive used to be a go-go bar, huh. and he supposedly got the bar, 
because he did not tell tales on the Pittsburgh mob and uh and so had to go do some jail time and so got a go-go bar kind of like out between Oakland, which is a neighborhood um, in Pittsburgh where CMU and Pitt is, kind of between Oakland and Polish Hill. And uh, it's no longer there, or it is, but it's, a, it's an Italian restaurant now run by him and his wife. Uh, and, but a lot of great bands came through there. Some only came through once, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but at least they came through. And uh, so, yeah, I guess it was kind of very specific. Like there was sort of a disconnect between, I remember between the bands that I was listening to and the sort of like the, the reality on the ground in Pittsburgh of going to see shows and just sort of people's general attitudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seemed like like what I was listening to, like the media and the records and the, you know, it seemed like college educated kids talking about blue collar things, yeah. which is not what Pittsburgh was, you know? Yeah. Like it, it was deplorables before there was a word for it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, you know, it's just, that's the reality of it. Um, but I don't know. And then when I finally came to California, by that time, the, uh, the old punkers were, they were more listening to things like the cramps and the gun club, Jesus and Mary chain and stuff like that. Kind of, I guess, you know, in hindsight, stuff that was more interesting than anything that was, you know specifically like technically punk rock or yeah. something like that yeah. i would say probably more representative of the initial spark and spirit of punk rock because there was that the the image propulsion which in the whole like when things sort of devolved into just wearing your street clothes to play live based on some sort of like misguided notion of realness or something like that's you're under a proscenium arch man like it's not you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing you are under a proscenium even if you're playing on the floor with a bunch of people like there's a reason you know i mean yes like loud amplification and that and rhythm and all that kind of stuff counts and the sounds and the vibe but like i think like a visual and stylistic element is also really important and i think like before there was ever a word called punk. And you never hear the, uh, I think she's in her bunk. No worries. Um, I think uh, like none of those, none of those people use the word or used the word punk. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like do. the people I that do. sort of, like, and uh, there was no word for it. So in other words, there were no steadfast rules about it other than like making a stand like this, this is where i stand this is where i am like no apologies and you're going to listen to it and love it or hate it it's what it is yeah like it kind of so like to me when punk sort of devolved into like rules and and uniforms and stuff like that 
things like hip hop were sort of taking it into, you know, yeah, like Brock Kim, for example, like of or Public Enemy, like they like that was the same sort of stand, but then you had like sort sort of a different. It came from people with more to complain about, with more <laughs> legitimate gripes. You know what I mean? Yeah, too, yeah. which made it also kind of and from people and places that a lot of Americans were were like really afraid of. Whereas like the punkers, if you watch Quincy episodes or something like that, like they were, you know, they were your kids yeah. that just took a wrong path. You know what I yeah. mean? They just needed a stern speaking to, but that's not, that wasn't public enemy or KRS one. Like yeah. that was something, you know, like yeah. really, really dangerous. And by the time I moved to California, that was sort of more where people were the Joneses. I remember the Joneses being this sort of conduit from like people like uh like punker strictly punker kids you know kind of moving into like rock and roll like because there was this real movement especially in northern california but i think in southern california too where people would like you'd see they had their old leather jackets with like the, the bands painted on in acrylic but they would like they had cowboy boots and like bandanas yeah because like guns and roses record had just come out and it maybe wasn't as huge as it was going to get <laughs> like appetite for destruction and people were sort of already aware of them and the joneses sounded did not sound like guns and roses but they had that same kind of look tales of terror from sacramento were definitely like adherents of that look the sea hags i don't know if you remember them but yeah. but they were and so yeah I guess it just kind of morphed into other things. Like the first show I went to was in 1984. So like it arguably was not relevant even by that point. You yeah. know what I mean? It could be second wave so, at that point, right? Second wave. Yeah. Yeah. So just sometimes using the word or wearing the uniform would feel kind of like, is it just, just sort of less colorful deadheads then, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like oh, following yeah. some kind of weird misguided notion of what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you find, you know, we're I mean, I'm fifty-two. Uh I've been in Me music too. my whole life, you know. And do you find now that sort of some of your older punk rock traits or some things that you sort of stood for? I mean, are they are there a pri is there a priority in life like I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I'm not sure if you like, you know, I'm in you know, but I I I've met up with some guys and gals and who've been around as long as me and just not happy. And I'm like, well, I mean, we all kind of strive yes. for a level of happiness and this success that we feel that is comfortable for us, you know. Do you do you have to like prioritize like where your happiness is uh with music or with with what you do with art or how you do things? Um or do you just say, fuck it? <laughs> I guess that's more of a, a straight up question. I just kind of go into my space. Um, uh, sometimes I get baked. Sometimes I just, you know what I mean? Like, or sometimes I just do things at home and, you know, like, I guess that's kind of a happy place or kind of a, like a, you know, letting off, letting off steam, just letting some things out, not necessarily deriving happiness necessarily from it but just a sort of a sense of relief that it's no longer sort of like in you yeah the, the like the frustration is not you know and just trying to find figure out ways to like 
like it's all bunched up in the head office you know yeah yeah it's like you know you got to go take a shit but you don't want to do it out of the side of your neck you know what i mean like you got you got like it's it's a that that, that's the best way (laughs) it's not very good but uh yeah way for me to describe it like it's just it's how you get it out and how you deal with it and i'm still not quite there like i've written some stuff that that you know some of it i'm happy with um but you know like it's tough yeah to sort of make something out of nothing and uh or even to sort of even with a cover band like we we, we, getting this tour started has been you know a couple of very challenging days on top of a couple very very challenging weeks for for all parties concerned Mm -hmm. and uh uh yeah yeah um happiness i don't know i'm I'm not generally a happy person but like you know when i feel like bitching i have to remind myself that you know i don't really have that much to complain about so <laughs> that's what now you're an adult <laughs> see yeah that's putting in priority yeah. right it's like you know you could fight the fight or you could just like let it slide, you know, like for me, things like that trigger me, I'm learning on how to not let it fester and bother me because life's too short to worry about that, right? Every year you go, you're every year closer to being not around anymore. So it's like, you know, with my work and with my art, it's like, you know, it's not too, it's not as important as it used to be, but that's okay. You know what I mean? I have other things that I have passion in. Um, and that's fine. You know what I mean? A lot of, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, you'd say, oh, you're a quitter. You know what I mean? Like, I remember the weaker bands <clears> called <throat> it Beer League. You're in the Beer League. You know, say, no, no, no. I'm actually, I still live it and love it. There's just things that, you know, I love being at home. I love my family. I love things. So you kind of yeah. have to put things in priority. And I think that's, Absolutely. What's, that's what's growing up. That's what growing up is kind of all about in a way, right? And not pretending to be outraged or affected by things that happen to people that you don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, because yeah. I think that's an excuse to, to sort of enable, like, because it like is pity is close to self pity. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or it's, or it's a cousin, you know, Yeah, yeah. not too distant cousin. And uh, like, it's not 2020 was a big year for that for yeah. americans mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and i think it came from a really good place you know yeah i didn't erase i didn't erase a lot of my posts from that time period even <laughs> though i look back on them and say you know like god that you know it but i think man i don't want to put too fine a point on it but like woke white people for example you know what i mean like it's just like it's there's a reason that it's not such a good look you know what I mean? Like, and you just look for looking for outrage everywhere is, is, is another example of like a hammer looking for a nail, man. I don't know how Toronto is. I would imagine it being a big North American city that it's probably, you know, but San Francisco, it seems like that is one of the main draws to people from outside of San that brings them to the city is that like, I can be outraged by literally everything I hear. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that everything that comes in front of my face, I can be outraged and offended by. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. And not to say that you shouldn't find offense with things and not to say that people that, that like there shouldn't be accountability in, you know, the way we speak to one another or the way, you know, but still like it's, it's, if you can't talk and if people can't express ideas or anxieties or concerns without, you know, yeah. being hectored, it, you know, it's a but conversation. I find it. Yeah. Sorry. You were talking about people being unhappy. And I mm. find that a lot of the people that do that are fundamentally unhappy and that doesn't make them any happier. It just sort of spreads the, the misery. Yeah. I know you, and I think to re sort of structure what I was saying is that you can be unhappy with things, but you also need to sort of understand where the, what the perception is, you know, what your perception is, is different than my perception and what other people's perceptions, you have to sort of try to empathize with the world and say, okay, well, you, you can be mad. It's fine. It doesn't, but the difference in where the, where the blinders turn on a little bit, like it doesn't, I'm sorry, but it doesn't affect me that way. You know, I, and I, and, but listening is most of the, most of the, the key to that. I can listen to you and suck in and try to empathize, but it still might not, you know, not you personally, but someone I might have a disagreement with, but it doesn't make them wrong and me right. And I think that's sort of the, the fundamental thing is now everybody's either right or you're wrong. There's no like, let's have a conversation about this. And then there's a, there's a line, of course, you know, when you get into things of race and, you know, sexual gender matters and things like that. But, but there should be a conversation first, you know, and that doesn't seem right. to happen anymore. No. Absolutely. And, and there are always mitigating factors. And now more than ever, there seems to be on both sides, yeah. um, a sort of hive mind of like, where you can sort of like, export American style liberalism. Yeah. Like, I live in a pluralistic society, right? Yeah. And, and as far as I'm because I've because I've always lived in cities. As far as I'm concerned, that is the way things are supposed to be, yeah. you know, yeah. like there are a lot, there's a sizable portion of Americans that don't feel that way, yeah. you know, that feel like a, a Anglo-American or whatever, you know, whatever the word white means, that that is somehow more American than, a, but I've never felt that way. But when you export American liberalism or tolerance or diversity or all those things to other places, say ethnic homelands in Europe, it's, I think it's a little more complicated than, than people give it credit for, yeah. for example. But again, like lines not to cross, like for me, like Trump, especially after Charlottesville was like, you know, yeah, like yeah. I can talk to Republicans and I can countenance Republican ideas because it, it, it they, may, they, may, they may have a point in some cases or they may help me sharpen my own viewpoint. But um, like a good litmus test for people from the right to whether I'll take their ideas seriously or not is how they feel about that, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like I hate to be one of those people with like, what, what does he call it? Trump derangement syndrome. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, yeah, that's, we got our own guy up here. Now. Got, you know, the Ontario's got their new guy up here. Piora, his name is Pierre, Piora, whatever. Yeah. You know, I hate to say this. I only got two minutes and a half minutes, two, eight minutes on my, on my zoom call here. Um, I think we should maybe wrap up. So rather than you getting cut off, it's like, no, no, we're done. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, first of all, thank you so much for doing the show. I, you know, I think we thank should make you. this a yearly thing. Um, I really enjoy talking that to you. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. And you know, good luck with the tour. Um, good to be back on tour again. I'm. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're, we, you know, it, it, it's always tough to start it up. 
you know? Yeah, no, I get it. Even Always when you struggle, but yeah, it's even, often worth it. Yeah. Even when you have all the your things in the row, I, I know. Cause I go out and do little one-offs with bands and it's like, Holy shit. Did, did, did you bring it? No, I didn't bring it. No, it's like, Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yes. It happens all the time. Um, but thanks man. And yeah, say hi. Uh, is Kent on your tour? Is he doing sound? No, no, Kent is not on this tour. I think Kent is actually out with no effects currently. Oh, okay. So, uh, all right. Um, no, uh, but if I see him, I will say hello. Well, I do. I saw I saw Limo like uh, a couple of months ago. I saw him, or maybe actually might have been a year ago now. But yeah, I've I known those guys for a while and being over on this side or or out by you. Uh, Limo's out by, he's in Vancouver. He's actually in, uh, yeah. he's outside of Vancouver, but I saw him. I was but you out saw there. him over here or, or? Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. When I was out there. Oh, I got a minute. I less than a minute, man. Fuck. Okay. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. And um, say hey to everybody that we need to say hey to. Yes, absolutely. Case okay, bye. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Bye. Let's talk again. I will. Anytime. Bye. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. That was Mr. Spike Slauson of Me First and the Gimme Gimme's and You Cunt. Such, I mean, honestly, you can't beat it. You can't beat that type of conversation where someone is very worldly and just knows stuff. Knows stuff. And does, you know, I always say they do the heavy lifting. People who know how to be interviewed, they just do the heavy lifting. I've had some great interviews, but this is like, I think it's up there with one of the top ones. One of the great conversations I've had. Um, a series of, by the way. Um, I, I will try to link all the other episodes that Spike's been on, but you can just search Apolog and Spike, and, and the three episodes will pop up there on any pod catcher you have out there. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks, Melanie K for setting this up. Thank you, Spike, for doing the interview. Don't forget to go to Apple and, subscri- and subscribe and give it five stars. Don't forget to go to Facebook and like it by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666 and Instagram at SimonHead666. Instagrams, pictures of my bike. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Been going to be a busy, busy fall. I hope to be back real soon. I actually got a good one coming up with a guy named James Sullivan. I haven't talked to him yet, so I hope you know nothing crazy like the world doesn't end before between now and the next couple of days. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.